Section 6 of The Elements of Botany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com. The Elements of Botany by Asa Gray. Section 6 Stems. The stem is the axis of the plant, the part which bears all the other organs. Branches are secondary stems, that is, stems growing out of stems. The stem at the very beginning produces roots. In most plants, a single root from the base of the embryo stem or collicle. As this root becomes a descending axis, so the stem, which grows in the opposite direction, is called the ascending axis. Rising out of the soil, the stem bears leaves, and leaf-bearing is the particular characteristic of the stem. But there are forms of stems that remain underground, or make a part of their growth there. These do not bear leaves, in the common sense, yet they bear rudiments of leaves, or what answers to leaves, although not in the form of foliage. The so-called stemless or acolescent plants are those which bear no obvious stem, collis, above ground, but only flower stalks and the like. Stems above ground, through differences in duration, texture, and size, form herbs, shrubs, trees, etc., or in other terms are herbaceous, dying down to the ground every year or after blossoming. Suffrutescent, slightly woody below, their surviving from year to year. Sufruticose or frutescent, when low stems are decidedly woody below, but herbaceous above. Fruticose or shrubby, woody, living from year to year, and of considerable size, not, however, more than three or four times the height of a man. Arborescent, when tree-like in the appearance or mode of growth, or approaching a tree in size arboreous when forming a proper tree trunk as to direction taken in growing stems may instead of growing upright or erect be diffuse that is loosely spreading in all directions declined when turned or bending over to one side decumbent reclining on the ground as if too weak to stand ascergent or ascending rising obliquely upwards. Procumbent or prostrate, lying flat on the ground from the first. Creeping or repent, prostrate on or just beneath the ground and striking root, as does the white clover, the partridge berry, etc. Climbing or scandent, ascending by clinging to other objects for support, whether by tendrils as do the pea, grapevine and passion-flower and virginia creeper by their twisting leaf-stalks as the virgin's bower or by rootlets like the ivy poison ivy and trumpet creeper twining or voluble when coiling spirally around other stems or support like the morning glory and the hop certain kinds of stems or branches appropriated to special uses Certain kinds of stems or branches, 
appropriated to special uses have received distinct substantive names such as the following a comb or straw stem such as that of grasses and sedges a codex is the old name for such a peculiar trunk as a palm stem it is also used for an upright and thick rootstock a sucker is a branch rising from stems under the ground such are produced abundantly by the rose raspberry and other plants said to multiply by the root if we uncover them we see at once the great difference between these subterranean branches and real roots they are only creeping branches under the ground remarking how the upright shoots from these branches become separate plants simply by the dying off of the connecting underground stems the gardener expedites the result by cutting them through with his spade that is he propagates the plant by division a stolen is a branch from above ground which reclines or becomes prostrate and strikes root usually from the nodes wherever it rests on the soil thence it may send up a vigorous shoot which has roots of its own and becomes an independent plant when the connecting part dies as it does after a while the currant and the gooseberry naturally multiply in this way as well as by suckers which are the same thing only the connecting part is concealed underground stolons must have suggested the operation of layering by bending down and covering with soil branches which do not naturally make stolons and after they have taken root as they almost always will the gardener cuts through the connecting stem and so converts a rooting branch into a separate plant an offset is a short stolon or sucker with a crown of leaves at the end as in the house leek which propagates abundantly in this way a runner of which the strawberry presents the most familiar and characteristic example is a long and slender tendril-like stolon or branch from next the ground destitute of conspicuous leaves each runner of the strawberry after having grown to its full length strikes root from the tip which fixes it to the ground then forms a bud there which develops into a tuft of leaves and so gives large space or produce a great number of plants in the course of the summer all connected at first by the slender runners but these die in the following winter if not before and leave the plants as so many separate individuals tendrils are branches of a very slender sort like runners not destined like them for propagation and therefore always destitute of buds or leaves being intended only for climbing simple tendrils are such as those of passion flowers compound or branching tendrils are borne by the cucumber and pumpkin by the grapevine virginia creeper etc a tendril commonly grows straight and outstretched until it reaches some neighboring support such as a stem when its apex hooks around it to secure a hold then the whole tendril shortens itself by coiling up spirally and so draws the shoot of the growing plant nearer to the supporting object but the tendrils of the virginia creeper as also the shorter ones of the japanese species affect the object differently 
namely by expanding the tips of the tendrils into a flat disc with an adhesive face this is applied to the supporting object and it adheres firmly then a shortening of the tendril and its branches by coiling brings up the growing shoot close to the support this is an adaptation for climbing mural rocks or walls or the trunks of trees to which ordinary tendrils are unable to cling the ivy and poison ivy attain the same result by means of aerial rootlets some tendrils are leaves or parts of leaves as those of the pea the nature of the tendril is known by its position a tendril from the axle of a leaf like that of passion flowers is of course a stem i e a branch so is one which terminates a stem as in the grapevine spines or thorns are commonly stunted and hardened branches or tips of stems or branches as are those of the hawthorn honey locust etc in the pear and sloe all gradations occur between spines and spine-like spinescent branches spines may be reduced and indurated leaves as in the barberry where their nature is revealed by their situation underneath an axillary bud but prickles such as those of blackberry and roses are only excrescences of the bark and not branches equally strange forms of stems are characteristic of the cactus family these may be better understood by comparison with subterranean stems and branches these are very numerous and various but they are commonly overlooked or else are confounded with roots from their situation they are out of ordinary sight but they will well repay examination for the vegetation that is carried on underground is hardly less varied or important than that above ground all their forms may be referred to four principal kinds namely the rhizoma rhizome or rootstock the tuber the corm or solid bulb and the true bulb the rootstock or rhizoma in its simplest form is merely a creeping stem or branch growing beneath the surface of the soil or partly covered by it of this kind are so-called creeping running or scaly roots such as those by which the mint the couch grass or quick grass and many other plants spread so rapidly and widely by the root as it is said that these are really stems and not roots is evident from the way in which they grow from their consisting of a succession of joints and from the leaves which they bear on each node in the form of small scales just like the lowest ones on the upright stem next to the ground they also produce buds in the axils of these scales showing the scales to be leaves whereas real roots bear neither leaves nor axillary buds placed as they are in the damp and dark soil such stems naturally produce roots just as the creeping stem does where it lies on the surface of the ground it is easy to see why plants with these running rootstocks take such rapid and wide possession of the soil and why they are so hard to get rid of they are always perennials the subterranean shoots live over the first winter if not longer and are provided with vigorous buds at every joint some of these buds grow in spring into upright stems 
bearing foliage to elaborate nourishment and at length produce blossoms for reproduction by seed while many others fed by nourishment supplied from above form a new generation of subterranean shoots and this is repeated over and over in the course of the season or in succeeding years meanwhile as the subterranean shoots increase in number the older ones connecting the successive growths die off year by year liberating the already rooted side branches as so many separate plants and so on indefinitely cutting these running rootstocks into pieces therefore by the hoe or the plough far from destroying the plant only accelerates the propagation it converts one many-branched plant into a great number of separate individuals cutting into pieces only multiplies the pest for each piece is already a plantlet with its roots and with a bud in the axil of its scale-like leaf either latent or apparent and with prepared nourishment enough to develop this bud into a leafy stem and so a single plant is all the more speedily converted into a multitude whereas when the subterranean parts are only roots cutting away the stem completely destroys the plant except in the rather rare cases where the root freely produces adventitious buds rootstocks are more commonly thickened by the storing up of considerable nourishing matter in their tissue the common species of iris in the gardens have stout rootstocks which are only partly covered by the soil and which bear foliage leaves instead of mere scales closely covering the upper part while the lower produces roots as the leaves die year after year and decay a scar left in the form of a ring marks the place where each leaf was attached that is marks so many nodes separated by very short internodes some rootstocks are marked with large round scars of a different sort like those of solomon's seal which gave this name to the plant from their looking somewhat like the impression of a seal upon wax here the rootstock sends up every spring an herbaceous stalk or stem which bears the foliage and flowers and dies in autumn the seal is the circular scar left by the death and separation of the base of the stout stalk from the living rootstock as but one of these is formed each year they mark the limits of a year's growth the bud at the end of the rootstock in the figure which was taken in summer will grow the next spring into the stalk of the season which dying in autumn will leave a similar scar while another bud will be formed farther on crowning the ever advancing summit or growing end of the stem as each year's growth of stem makes its own roots it becomes independent of the older parts and after a certain age a portion eventually dies off behind about as fast as it increases at the growing end death following life with equal and certain step with only a narrow interval in vigorous plants of solomon's seal or iris the living rootstock is several inches or a foot in length while in the short rootstock of trillium or birthroot life is reduced to a narrower span an upright or short rootstock like this of trillium is commonly called a codex or when more shortened and thickened 
it would become a corm a tuber may be understood to be a portion of a rootstock thickened and with buds eyes on the sides of course there are all gradations between a tuber and a rootstock helianthus tuberosus the so-called jerusalem artichoke and the common potato are typical and familiar examples of the tuber the stalks by which the tubers are attached to the parent stem are at once seen to be different from the roots both in appearance and manner of growth the scales on the tubers are rudiments of the leaves the eyes are the buds in their axils the potato plant has three forms of branches one those that bear ordinary leaves expanded in the air to digest what they gather from it and what the roots gather from the soil and convert it into nourishment two after a while a second set of branches at the summit of the plant bear flowers which form fruit and seed out of a portion of the nourishment which the leaves underground and accumulated in the form of starch at their extremities which become tubers or depositories of prepared solid food just as in the turnip carrot and dahlia it is deposited in the root the use of the store of food is obvious enough in the autumn the whole plant dies except the seeds if it formed them and the tubers and the latter are left disconnected in the ground just as that small portion of nourishing matter which is deposited in the seed feeds the embryo when it germinates so the much larger portion deposited in the tuber nourishes its buds or eyes when they likewise grow the next spring into new plants and the great supply enables them to shoot with a greater vigor at the beginning and to produce a greater amount of vegetation than the seedling plant could do in the same space of time which vegetation in turn may prepare and store up in the course of a few weeks or months the largest quantity of solid nourishing material in a form most available for food taking advantage of this man has transported the potato from the cool andes of chile to other cool climates and makes it yield him a copious supply of food especially important in countries where the season is too short or the summer's heat too little for profitably cultivating the principal grain plants the corm or solid bulb like that of cyclamen and of indian turnip is a very short and thick fleshy subterranean stem often broader than high it sends off roots from its lower end or rather face leaves and stalks from its upper the corm of cyclamen goes on to enlarge and to produce a succession of flowers and leaves year after year that of indian turnip is formed one year and is consumed the next figure 104 represents it in early summer having below the corm of last year from which the roots have fallen it is partly consumed by the growth of the stem for the season and the corm of the year is forming at the base of the stem above the line of roots the corm of crocus like that of its relative gladiolus is also reproduced annually the new ones forming upon the summit and sides of the old such a corm is like a tuber in budding from the sides i e from the axils of leaves but these leaves instead of being small scales are the sheathing bases of foliage leaves which covered the surface 
it resembles a true bulb in having these sheaths or broad scales but in the corm or solid bulb this solid part or stem makes up the principal bulk the bulb strictly so called is a stem like a reduced corm as to its solid part or plate while the main body consists of thickened scales which are leaves or leaf bases these are like bud scales so that in fact a bulb is a bud with fleshy scales on an exceedingly short stem compare a white lily bulb with the strong scaly buds of the hickory and horse chestnut and the resemblance will appear in corms as in tubers and rootstocks the store of food for future growth is deposited in the stem while in the bulb the greater part is deposited in the bases of the leaves changing them into thick scales which closely overlap or enclose one another a scaly bulb is one in which the scales are thick but comparatively narrow a tunicated or coated bulb is one in which the scales enwrap each other forming concentric coats or layers as in hyacinth and onion a tunicated or coated bulb is one in which the scales enwrap each other forming concentric coats or layers as in hyacinth and onion bulblets are very small bulbs growing out of larger ones or small bulbs produced above ground on some plants as in the axils of the leaves of the bulbiferous lilies of the gardens and often in the flower clusters of the leek and onion they are plainly buds with thickened scales they never grow into branches but detach themselves when full grown fall to the ground and take root there to form new plants consolidated vegetation an ordinary herb shrub or tree is evidently constructed on the plan developing an extensive surface in fleshy rootstocks tubers corms and bulbs the more enduring portion of the plant is concentrated and reduced for the time of struggle as against drought heat or cold to a small amount of exposed surface and this is mostly sheltered in the soil there are many similar consolidated forms which are not subterranean thus plants like the house leek imitate a bulb among cactuses the columnar species of cereus may be likened to rootstocks a green rind serves the purpose of foliage but the surface is as nothing compared with an ordinary leaf plant of the same bulk compare for instance the largest cactus known the giant cereus of the gila river which rises to the height of fifty or sixty feet with a common leafy tree of the same height such as that in figure eighty nine and estimate how vastly greater even without the foliage the surface of the latter is than that of the former compare in the same view an opuntia or prickly pear cactus its stem and branches formed of a succession of thick and flattened joints which may be likened to tubers or an epiphyllum having short and flat joints with an ordinary leafy shrub or herb of equal size and finally in melon cactuses echinocactus or other globose forms which may be likened to permanent corms with their globular or bulb-like shapes we have plants in the compactest shape their spherical figure being such as to expose the least possible amount of substance to the air these are adaptations to climates which are very dry 
either throughout or for a part of the year. Similarly, bulbous and corm-bearing plants and the like are examples of a form of vegetation which in the growing season may expand a large surface to the air and light, while during the period of rest the living vegetable is reduced to a globe or solid form of the least possible surface, and this protected by its outer coats of dead and dry scales, as well as by its situation underground. Such are also adapted to a season of drought. They largely belong to countries which have a long hot season of little or no rain, when their stalks and foliage above and their roots beneath early perishing. The plants rest securely in their compact bulbs, filled with nourishment and retaining their moisture with great tenacity, until the rainy season comes round. Then they shoot forth leaves and flowers with wonderful rapidity, and what was perhaps a desert of arid sand becomes green with foliage and gay with blossoms almost in a day. End of section six. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio interfaceaudio.com